Act Two of The Rivals by Richard Brinsley Sheridan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two. Scene One. Captain Absolute's Lodgings. Captain Absolute and Fag. Sir, while I was there, Sir Anthony came in. I told him you had sent me to inquire after his health, and to know if he was at leisure to see you. And what did he say on hearing I was at Bath? Sir, in my life I never saw an elderly gentleman more astonished. He started back two or three paces, rapped out a dozen interjectural oaths, and asked what the devil had brought you here. Well, sir, and what did you say? Oh, I lied, sir. I forgot the precise lie, but you may depend on't, he got no truth from me. Yet, with submission, for fear of blunders in future, I should be glad to fix what has brought us to Bath, in order that we may lie a little consistently. Sir Anthony's servants were very curious, sir, very curious indeed. You have said nothing to them. Oh, not a word, sir, not a word. Mr. Thomas, indeed, the coachman, whom I take to be the discreetest of whips. Sdeath! You rascal! You have not trusted him. Oh, no, sir, no, no! Not a syllable upon my veracity. He was, indeed, a little inquisitive, but I was sly, sir, devilish sly. My master, said I, honest Thomas, you know, sir, one says honest to one's inferiors, is come to Bath to recruit. Yes, sir, I said, to recruit. And whether for men, money, or constitution, you know, sir, is nothing to him, nor to any one else. Well, recruit will do. Let it be so. Oh, sir, recruit will do surprisingly. Indeed, to give the thing an air, I told Thomas that your honour had already enlisted five disbanded chairmen, seven minority waiters, and thirteen billiard markers. You blockhead! Never say more than is necessary. I beg pardon, sir, I beg pardon, but with submission, a lie is nothing unless one supports it. Sir, whenever I draw on my invention for a good current lie, I always forge endorsements as well as the bill. Well, take care you don't hurt your credit by offering too much security. Is Mr. Falkland returned? He is above, sir, changing his dress. Can you tell whether he has been informed of Sir Anthony and Miss Melville's arrival? I fancy not, sir. He has seen no one since he came in but his gentleman, who was with him at Bristol. I think, sir, I hear Mr. Falkland coming down. Go. Tell him I am here. Yes, sir. Going. I beg pardon, sir, but should Sir Anthony call, you will do me the favour to remember that we are recruiting, if you please. Well, well. And in tenderness to my character, if your honour could bring in the chairman and waiters, I should esteem it as an obligation, for though I never scruple a lie to serve my master, yet it hurts one's conscience to be found out. Exit. Now for my whimsical friend. If he does not know that his mistress is here, I'll tease him a little before I tell him. Enter Falkland. Falkland, you're welcome to Bath again. You are punctual in your return. Yes, I had nothing to detain me when I had finished the business I went on. Well, what news since I left you? How stand matters between you and Lydia? Faith, much as they were. I have not seen her since our quarrel. However, I expect to be recalled every hour. 
why don't you persuade her to go off with you at once what and lose two-thirds of her fortune you forget that my friend no no i could have brought her to that long ago nay then you trifle too long if you are sure of her propose to the aunt in your own character and write to sir anthony for his consent softly softly for though i am convinced my little lydia would elope with me as ensign beverley yet am i by no means certain that she would take me with the impediment of our friend's consent a regular humdrum wedding and the reversion of a good fortune on my side no no i must prepare her gradually for the discovery and make myself necessary to her before i risk it well but falkland you'll dine with us to-day at the hotel indeed i cannot i am not in spirits to be of such a party by heavens i shall forsway your company you are the most teasing captious incongruable lover do love like a man i own i am unfit for company am i not a lover i and a romantic one too yet do i carry everywhere with me such a confounded farrago of doubts fears hopes wishes and all the flimsy furniture of a country mrs brain ah jack your heart and soul are not like mine fixed immutably on one only object you throw for a large stake but losing you could stake and throw again but i have set my sum of happiness on this cast and not to succeed were to be stripped of all but for heaven's sake what grounds for apprehension can your whimsical brain conjure up at present what grounds for apprehension did you say heavens are there not a thousand i fear for her spirits her health her life my absence may fret her her anxiety for my return her fears for me may oppress her gentle temper and for her health does not every hour bring me cause to be alarmed if it rains some shower may even then have chilled her delicate frame if the wind be keen some rude blast may have affected her the heat of noon the dews of evening may endanger the life of her for whom only i value mine oh jack when delicate and feeling souls are separated there is not a feature in the sky not a movement of the elements not an aspiration of the breeze but hints some cause for a lover's apprehension ay but we may choose whether we will take the hint or not so then falkland if you were convinced that julia were well and in spirits you would be entirely content i should be happy beyond measure i am anxious only for that then to cure your anxiety at once miss melville is in perfect health and is at this moment in bath nay jack don't trifle with me she has arrived here with my father within this hour can you be serious i thought you knew sir anthony better than to be surprised at a sudden whim of this kind seriously then it is all as i tell you upon my honour my dear friend hullo dupain my hat oh my dear jack now nothing on earth can give me a moment's uneasiness re-enter fag sir mr acres just arrived is below stay falkland this acres lives within a mile of sir anthony and he shall tell you how your mistress has been ever since you left her fag show this gentleman up exit fag what is he 
much acquainted in the family oh very intimate i insist on your not going besides his character will divert you well i should like to ask him a few questions he is likewise a rival of mine that is of my other selves for he does not think his friend captain absolute ever saw the lady in question and it is ridiculous enough to hear him complain to me of one beverley a concealed skulking rival who hush he's here enter acres ha my dear friend noble captain and honest jack how dost thou just arrived faith as you see sir your humble servant warm work on the roads jack odds whips and wheels i've travelled like a comet with a tail of dust all the way as long as the mole ah bob you are indeed an eccentric planet but we know your attraction hither give me leave to introduce mr falkland to you mr falkland mr acres sir i am most heartily glad to see you sir i solicit your connections hey jack what this is mr falkland who ay bob miss melville's mr falkland odzo she and your father can be but just arrived before me i suppose you have seen them ah mr falkland you are indeed a happy man i have not seen miss melville yet sir i hope she enjoyed full health and spirits in devonshire never knew her better in my life sir never better odds blushes and blooms she has been as healthy as the german spa indeed i did hear that she had been a little indisposed false false sir only said to vex you quite the reverse i assure you there jack you see she has the advantage of me i had almost fretted myself ill now are you angry with your mistress for not having been sick oh, no no you misunderstand me yet surely a little trifling indisposition is not an unnatural consequence of absence from those we love now confess isn't there something unkind in this violent robust unfeeling health oh it was very unkind of her to be well in your absence to be sure good apartments jack well sir but you were saying that miss melville had been so exceedingly well what then she has been merry and gay i suppose always in spirits hey merry odds crickets she has been the bell and spirit of the company wherever she has been so lively and entertaining so full of wit and humour there jack there oh by my soul there is an innate levity in woman that nothing can overcome what happy and i away have done how foolish this is just now you were only apprehensive for your mistress's spirits why jack have i been the joy and spirit of the company no indeed you have not have i been lively and entertaining oh upon my word i acquit you have i been full of wit and humour no faith to do you justice you have been confoundedly stupid indeed what's the matter with the gentleman he is only expressing his great satisfaction at hearing that julia has been so well and happy that's all eh falkland oh i i am rejoiced to hear it yes yes she has a happy disposition that she has indeed then she is so accomplished 
so sweet a voice, so expert at her harpsichord, such a mistress of flat and sharp, squalante, rumblante, and quiverante. There was this time, month, odds, minims, and crotchets, how she did chirrup at Mrs. Piano's concert. Ha! There again! What say you to this? You see, she's been all mirth and song, not a thought of me. Oh, man, is not music the food of love? Well, well, it may be so. Uh, pray, Mr... Oh, what's his damned name? Do you remember what songs Miss Melville sang? Not I, indeed. Stay now. They were some pretty, melancholy, purling stream airs, I warrant. Perhaps you may recollect. Did she sing, When Absent from My Soul's Delight? No, that weren't it. Or Go, Gentle Gales? Oh, no, nothing like it. Odds now I recollect one of them. My hut's my own, my will is free. Fool! Fool that I am! To fix all my happiness on such a trifler! Steph, to make herself the pipe and ballad monger of a circle, to soothe her light heart with catches and glees. What can you say to this, sir? Why, that I should be glad to hear my mistress had been so merry, sir. Nay, 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 I, I'm not sorry that she has been happy. No, 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 I'm glad of that. I, I would not have had her sad or sick. I, yet surely a sympathetic heart would have shown itself even in the choice of a song she might have been temperately healthy and somehow plaintively gay but she's been dancing too i doubt not what does the gentleman say about dancing he says the lady we speak of dances as well as she sings ay truly does she there was at our last race ball hell and the devil there there i told you so i told you so oh she thrives in my absence dancing but her whole feelings have been in opposition with mine i have been anxious silent pensive sedentary my days have been hours of care my nights of watchfulness she has been all health spirit laugh song dance oh damned damned levity for heaven's sake falkland don't expose yourself so suppose she has danced what then does not the ceremony of society often oblige well well i'll contain myself perhaps as you say for from sake what mr akers were you praising miss melville's manner of dancing a minuet hey oh i dare ensure her for that but what I was going to speak of was her country dancing. Odd swimmings! She has such an air with her. Now disappointment on her! Defend this, Absolute! Why don't you defend this? Country dances? Jigs and reels? Am I to blame now? Oh, a minuet I could have forgiven. I should not have minded that. I say I should not have regarded a minuet. But country dances? Zoons! Had she made one in a cotillion, I believe I could have forgiven even that. But to be monkey-led for a night, to run the gauntlet through a string of amorous, palming puppies, 
to show paces like a managed filly oh jack there can never be but one man in the world whom a truly modest and delicate woman ought to pair with in a country dance and even then the rest of the couple should be her great uncles and aunts ay to be sure grandfathers and grandmothers if there be but one vicious mind in the set twill spread like a contagion the action of their pulse beats to the lascivious movement of the jig their quivering warm-breathed sighs impregnate the very air the atmosphere becomes electrical to love and each amorous spark darts through every link of the chain i must leave you i own i am somewhat flurried and that confounded looby has perceived it nay but stay falkland and thank mr acres for his good news damn his news exit <laughs> poor falkland five minutes since nothing on earth could give him a moment's uneasiness the gentleman weren't angry at my praising his mistress was he a little jealous i believe bob you don't say so ha <laughs> ha jealous of me that's a good joke there's nothing strange in that bob let me tell you that sprightly grace and insinuating manner of yours will do some mischief among the girls here ah you joke <laughs> mischief <laughs> but you know i am not my own property my dear lydia has forestalled me she could never abide me in the country because i used to dress so badly but odds frogs and tambours i shan't take matters so here now ancient madam has no voice in it i'll make my old clothes know who's master i shall straightway cashier the hunting frock and render my leather breeches incapable my hair has been in training some time indeed ay and doth the side curls are a little restive my hind part takes it very kindly ah you'll polish i doubt not absolutely i propose so then if i can find out this ensign beverley odds triggers and flints i'll make him know the difference hot spoke like a man but pray bob i observe you have got a kind of new method of swearing ha <laughs> you've taken notice of it tis genteel isn't it i didn't invent it myself though but a commander in our militia a great scholar i assure you says that there is no meaning in the common oaths and that nothing but their antiquity makes them respectable because he says the ancients would never stick to an oath or two but would say by jove or by bacchus or by mars or by venus or by pallas according to the sentiment so that to swear with propriety says my little major the oath should be an echo to the sense and this we call the oath referential or sentimental swearing <laughs> tis genteel isn't it very genteel and very new indeed and i dare say will supplant all other figures of imprecation ay ay the best terms will grow obsolete dams have had their day re-enter fag sir there is a gentleman below desires to see you shall i show him into the parlour ay you may well i must be gone stay who is it fag your father sir you puppy why didn't you show him up directly exit fag you have business with sir anthony i expect a message from mrs malaprop at my lodgings 
I have sent also to my dear friend Sir Lucius O'Trigger. Adieu, Jack. We must meet at night, when you shall give me a dozen bumpers to little Lydia. That I will, with all my heart. Exit Acres. Now for a parental lecture. I hope he has heard nothing of the business that brought me here. I wish the gout had held him fast in Devonshire with all my soul. Enter Sir Anthony Absolute. Sir, I am delighted to see you here, looking so well. Your sudden arrival at Bath made me apprehensive for your health. Very apprehensive, I dare say, Jack. What, you're recruiting here, eh? Yes, sir. I am on duty. Well, Jack, I'm glad to see you, though I did not expect it, for I was going to write to you on a little matter of business. Jack, I have been considering that I grow old and infirm, and shall probably not trouble you long. Pardon me, sir. I never saw you look more strong and hearty, and I pray frequently that you may continue so. I hope your prayers may be heard with all my heart. Well, then, Jack, I have been considering that I am so strong and hearty I may continue to plague you a long time. Now, Jack, I am sensible that the income of your commission, and what I have hitherto allowed you, is but a small pittance for a lad of your spirit. Sir, you are very good. And it is my wish, while yet I live, to have my boy make some figure in the world. I have resolved, therefore, to fix you at once in a noble independence. Sir, your kindness overpowers me. Such generosity makes the gratitude of reason more lively than the sensations even of filial affection. I am glad you are so sensible of my attention, and you shall be master of a large estate in a few weeks. Let my future life, sir, speak my gratitude. I cannot express the sense I have of your munificence. Yet, sir— I presume you would not wish me to quit the army. Oh, that shall be as your wife chooses. My wife, sir? Aye, aye. Settle that between you. Settle that between you. A uh, wife, sir, did you say? Aye, a wife. Why, did I not mention her before? Not a word of her, sir. Oh, odd so. I mustn't forget her, though. Yes, Jack, the independence I was talking of is by marriage. The fortune is saddled with a wife. But I suppose that makes no difference. Sir, sir, you amaze me. Why, what the devil's the matter with the fool? Just now you were all gratitude and duty. I was, sir. You talked to me of independence and a fortune, but not a word of a wife. My, what difference does that make? Odd's life, sir, if you have the estate, you must take it with the livestock on it, as it stands. If my happiness is to be the price, I must beg leave to decline the purchase. Pray, sir, who is the lady? What's that to you, sir? Come, give me your promise to love, and to marry her directly. Sure, sir, this is not very reasonable, to summon my affections for a lady I know nothing of. I am sure, sir, it is more unreasonable in you to object to a lady you know nothing of. Then, sir, I must tell you plainly that my inclinations are fixed on another. My heart is engaged to an angel. Then pray let it send an excuse. It is very sorry, but business prevents its waiting on her. But my vows are pledged to her. Let her foreclose, Jack, let her foreclose. They are not worth redeeming. 
"'Besides, you have the angel's vows in exchange, I suppose, so there can be no loss there.' "'You must excuse me, sir, if I tell you once for all, that in this point I cannot obey you.' "'Harky, Jack, I have heard you for some time with patience. I have been cool, quite cool, but take care. You know I am compliance itself, when I am not thwarted. No one more easily led, when I have my own way.' "'But don't put me in a frenzy.' "'Sir, I must repeat it. In this I cannot obey you.' "'Now damn me if ever I call you Jack again while I live.' "'Nay, sir, but hear me.' "'Sir, I won't hear a word, not a word, not one word. So give me your promise by a nod, and I'll tell you what, Jack, I mean you dog, if you don't, why— "'What, sir, promise to link myself to some mass of ugliness, to—' "'Sound, sirrah, the lady shall be as ugly as I choose. She shall have a hump on each shoulder, she shall be as crooked as the crescent. Her one eye shall roll like the bulls in Cox's museum. She shall have a skin like a mummy and the beard of a Jew. She shall be all this, sirrah. Yet I will make you ogle her all day, and sit up all night to write sonnets on her beauty. This is reason and moderation indeed. None of your sneering, puppy. No grinning. Jackanapes. Indeed, sir. I never was in a worse humour for mirth in my life. Tis false, sir. I know you are laughing in your sleeve. I know you'll grin when I am gone, sirrah. Sir, I hope I know my duty better. None of your passion, sir. None of your violence, if you please. It won't do with me, I promise you. Indeed, sir. I never was cooler in my life. Tis a confounded lie. I know you are in a passion in your heart. I know you are, you hypocritical young dog. But it won't do. No, sir. Upon my word. So you will fly out. Can't you be cool, like me? What the devil good can passion do? Passion is of no service. You impudent, insolent, overbearing reprobate. <laughs> you sneer again. Don't provoke me. But you rely on the mildness of my temper. You do, you dog. You play upon the meekness of my disposition. Take care. The patience of a saint may be overcome at last. But, Mark, I give you six hours and a half to consider of this. If you then agree, without any condition, to do everything on earth that I choose, why, confound you, I may in time forgive you. If not, zounds, don't enter the same hemisphere with me. Don't dare to breathe the same air or use the same light with me. But get an atmosphere and a sun of your own. I'll strip you of your commission. I'll lodge a five and threepence in the hands of trustees, and you shall live on the interest. I'll disown you. I'll disinherit you. I'll unget you. And damn me if ever I call you Jack again. Exit. Mild gentle, considerate father. I kiss your hands. What a tender method of giving his opinion in these matters Sir Anthony has. I dare not trust him with the truth. I wonder what old wealthy hag it is that he wants to bestow on me. Yet he married himself for love, and was in his youth a bold intriguer and a gay companion. Re-enter Fag. Assuredly, sir, your father is wroth to a degree. He comes downstairs eight or ten steps at a time, muttering, growling, and thumping the banisters all the way. I and the cook's dog stand bowing at the door. Rap! He gives me a stroke on the head with his cane, bids me carry that to my master, then, kicking the poor turnspit into the area, damns us all for a puppy triumvirate. 
upon my credit sir were i in your place and found my father such very bad company i should certainly drop his acquaintance cease your impertinence sir at present did you come in for nothing more send out of the way pushes him aside and exit so sir anthony trims my master he is afraid to reply to his father then vents his spleen on poor fag when one is vexed by one person to revenge oneself on another who happens to come in the way is the vilest injustice ah it shows the worst temper the basest enter boy mr fag mr fag your master called you well you dirty little puppy you need not bawl so the meanest disposition the quick quick mr fag quick quick you impudent jackanapes am i to be commanded by you too you little impertinent insolent kitchen bread exit kicking and beating him scene two the north parade enter lucy so i shall have another rival to add to me mistress Liss, captain absolute however i shall not enter his name till my purse has received notice in form poor acres is dismissed well i have done him a last friendly office in letting him know that beverley was here before him sir lucius is generally more punctual when he expects to hear from his dear delia as he calls her i wonder he's not here i have a little scruple of conscience from this deceit though i should not be paid so well if my hero knew that delia was near fifty in her own mistress enter sir lucius o'trigger ha my little ambassadress upon my conscience i have been looking for you i have been on the south parade this half hour oh gemini and i've been waiting for your worship here on the north faith maybe that was the reason we did not meet and it is very comical too how you could go out and i not see you for i was only taking a nap at the parade coffee-house and i chose the window on purpose that i might not miss you my stars now i'd wager a sixpence i went by while you were asleep sure enough it must have been so and i never dreamt it was so late till i waked well but my little girl have you got nothing for me yes but i have i've got a letter for you in me pocket oh faith i guessed you weren't come empty-handed well let me see what the dear creature says there sir lucius gives him a letter reads sir there is often a sudden incentive impulse in love that has a greater induction than years of domestic combination such was the commotion i felt at the first superfluous view of sir lucius o'trigger very pretty upon my word female punctuation forbids me to say more yet let me add that it will give me joy infallible to find sir lucius worthy the last criterion of my affections delia upon my conscience luthy your lady is a great mistress of language faith she's quite the queen of the dictionary for the devil a word dare refuse coming at her call though one would think it was quite out of hearing ay sir a lady of her experience experience what at seventeen 
Oh, true, sir. But then she reads so. My stars, how she will read offhand. Faith, she must be very deep-read to write this way, though she is rather an arbitrary writer, too. For here are a great many poor words pressed into the service of this note that would get their habeas corpus from any court in Christendom. Ah, Sir Lucius, if you were to hear how she talks of you. Oh, tell her I'll make her the best husband in the world, and Lady O'Trigger into the bargain. But we must get the old gentlewoman's consent and do everything fairly. Nay, Sir Lucius, I thought you wasn't rich enough to be so nice. Upon my word, young woman, you have hit it. I am so poor that I can't afford to do a dirty action. If I did not want money, I'd steal your mistress and her fortune with a great deal of pleasure. However, my pretty girl, gives her money, here is a little something to buy you a ribbon, and meet me in the evening, and I'll give you an answer to this. So, hussy, take a kiss beforehand to put you in mind. Oh, Lord, Sir Lucius, I never seen such a gentleman. My lady won't like you if you're so impudent. Faith, she will, Lucy. That same, pooh, what's the name of it? Modesty is a quality in a lover more praised by the women than liked. So, if your mistress asks you whether Sir Lucius ever gave you a kiss, tell her fifty, my dear. What, would you have me tell her a lie? Ah, uh, then, you baggage, I'll make it a truth presently. For shame now, here is someone coming. Oh, Faith, I'll quiet your conscience. <laughs> Exit. Enter Fag. So, so, ma'am, I humbly beg pardon. Oh, Lord, now, Mr. Fag, you flurry one so. Come, come, Lucy, here's no one by. So a little less simplicity, with a grain or two more sincerity, if you please. You play false with us, madam. I saw you give the baronet a letter. My master shall know this, and if you don't call him out, I will. <laughs> you gentlemen's gentlemen are so hasty. That letter was from Mrs. Malaprop, Simpleton. She is taken with Sir Lucius's address. How? What taste some people have! Why, I suppose I must have walked by her window a hundred times. But what says our young lady? Any message to my master? Sad news, Mr. Fagg. A worse rival than Agus. Sir Anthony Absolute has proposed his son. What? Captain Absolute? Even so. I overheard it all. Ha, ha, ha! Very good faith. Good-bye, Lucy. I must away with this news. Well, you may laugh, but tis true, I assure you. But, Mr. Fagg, tell your master not to be cast down by this. Oh, he'll be so disconsolate. And charge him not to think of quarrelling with young Absolute. Never fear, never fear. Be sure. Bid him keep up his spirits. We will, we will. Excellent severally. End of Act Two